Hello and welcome to the Clare Valley Podcast, brought to you by the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council, keeping you informed on the latest council news, upcoming projects and community events in the area. I'm your host, Annabelle Homer. It's going to be a very testing bushfire season this summer. Have you got your bushfire survival plan in place? We'll find out what Council's role is to make sure the community is prepared this season. Also, have you got an item of clothing that needs to be mended or perhaps an appliance that you've been meaning to fix but you haven't got around to it or maybe you just don't know how to fix it? A new initiative has begun in the Clare Valley where volunteers fix your belongings and they show you how to do it. We've probably all got something at home that's not working. Broken toaster. Broken toaster, broken jug, broken DVD player, broken printer. Yeah, so it's just about trying to change people's thinking about how they use what they have in their house and we can all give our items a longer life rather than chuck it and get a new one. It's called the Repair Cafe and you'll hear how wonderful it is a bit later on. But first, a quick update on the latest council projects that may affect you. Dr Helen McDonald is the Chief Executive of the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council. Important things that I'm sure the community would like to know about is more in our major projects. So these are the capital projects, the big big spending money. Given this is the early part of the year, we're still going out to try and get um, or put tenders out for, for the projects. But we have have certainly got on well underway the unsealed road repairs doing that. That's ongoing. But the, the big one is Main Road 45. So we're completing the last section of Main Road 45 in terms of actually sealing that as a major one of our major freight routes. So where's Main Road 45? So Main Road 45 is over in the Gilbert Valleys area and it runs between or roughly between Black Springs and through Waterloo to Maribel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a major freight route, is it? It is, yes, particularly during the harvest season. It's used very heavily and there's also a gravel pit over there that's used by some of um, the contractors that work in the area. How much money is, is funded towards this particular project? So the project this year is roughly about 600000 but the total project, because it's a project that's been going for three years, is just under $2 million, the total project, to seal that part of Main Road 45. And it was six and a half kilometres stretch of road? Total length is about six and a half kilometres. This particular um, section is uh, just a shade over two kilometres. Councillors, I understand, have called for mandatory COVID vaccinations if they want to enter the chambers. Is this quite controversial? It's controversial or unusual in the sense that it's it sits in a difficult area. So, for example, it's quite easy for uh, councils to bring in a mandatory vaccination policy for staff, which incidentally I'm in the process of doing. But when it comes to elected members, it's a little bit more difficult because they are elected members and fall under the auspices of the Local Government Act. They need to be in the chamber or access the chamber through video conferencing um, to participate in the democratic process and it's only if there is uh, a health declaration um, under the emergency act as as we currently are we can have uh, make a mandatory rule about being vaccinated or not vaccinated 
so we, we will be out of that emergency uh, declaration in a short while. Uh, however, the elected members would like to ensure their own safety and for any of those elected members that have their immunity compromised, that they know that their fellow elected members are fully vaccinated. So they want to mis- minimise the risk to themselves. And this is for everybody that enters the chamber. It's not just councillors. It will be. So if any general public that wants it would need to be double vaxxed. Um, now, our way around that will be relatively easy. So the general public can still observe the meeting via video conferencing. So um, we'll continue to do that, depending on what the mayor thinks. Potentially, if there are any elected members that are against being vaccinated, then they may be able to participate by video conferencing. Good news for small business. Um, yes, um, as part of uh, Council's contribution to economic development and our economic development plan, we are working with the Flinders University uh, New Venture Institute, I think it's called, to uh, identify opportunities for either new businesses or small businesses to to think of how they can diversify or grow their businesses because obviously that's beneficial for the district itself. So these training sessions that could potentially happen in the area, they will be fully funded by yes. Flinders? A combination of funding from from the Venture Institute and from uh, Council as well. So at the moment you're just uh, inviting expressions of interest? That's right and we've got a survey in process to try and work out what would people like, what are they interested in. Dr Helen McDonald, thank you very much for joining me on the Clare Valley Podcast. You're welcome. Also, the Council's annual report will be available soon. If you'd like to check out what the Council has managed to do in the last financial year and how it's managing financially, the report will be released on the Council website in the next few weeks. After a wet winter and spring, fuel loads are very high this summer, the highest in many years, which means a testing bushfire season is ahead. Have you mowed and cleaned up your block to minimise the threat of a bushfire? The council plays a major role in making sure landholders comply with the latest regulations. To find out what's involved, I caught up with Andrew Christensen, Director of Development and Community at the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council, and Boyd Kench and Mick Tobin, both council compliance officers. First to you, Andrew, what is council's role when it comes to the bushfire season coming up? Clare has a couple of roles, but one of our, um, well, Clare and Valley has a couple of roles, but it really um, is in regards to bushfire preparedness. So um, in undertaking inspections to um, see what the fuel loads are and working with property owners in cleaning up their sites and making sure that their fuel is reduced so we have a safer community basically. Um, also throughout the season as well we work on um, distributing information to people to make help them understand how to become bushfire ready so CFS information we work closely with CFS in order to make that happen. We do all sorts of things but those two things are really the key roles within what council plays within bushfire preparedness. Well let's look at the season ahead what's the fuel load like out there this coming season? Mick? Yeah so we have uh, commenced our rural property inspections and township inspections. Within that, we do fuel loads and fuel curing. Um, at this stage, we're looking around the eight and a half to nine tonnes per hectare. So fuel loads are a, a lot heavier this year than they were last year. Um, and that's just put down to a wetter winter, a wetter spring, and 
leading into a wetter summer. So, yeah, the fuel loads are a lot heavier this year. When it comes to fuel loads, is this probably one of the, the trickiest seasons coming up? I think the season is going to be a lot more testing this year with the heavier fuel loads around. Uh, managing fuel loads on council properties, uh, we work with DEW, so Department of Environment and Water. Um, a lot of those controls are fuel loads, uh, which is just fuel reduction burning, and we have commenced a few of those in the Clare Valley. With a few more to go at this stage, we've done police paddock successfully and hoping to move south along the ridgeline towards Negles Rock at this stage. How do you prepare the community? What regulations have you got in place to ensure that everybody is on track to ensure that their blocks of land are mowed, cleaned up ahead of this season? So council go out at the beginning of October um, and we do property inspections under Section 105F of the Emergency Fire Services Act. That involves inspecting every property in every town, so driving every street. And then, yeah, we issue a notice and that gives them 28 days to action any required work on the property. And then once that 28 days expires, we go back, re-inspect and either organise a contractor to commence the work if it hasn't been completed or, yeah, the property gets signed off as complete and compliant. Do most people comply? Yeah, the Clare Valley is uh, pretty good with compliance with their properties. Um, This year there was a lot more um, inspections and notices sent out. How many more? Uh, Last year was 250 and this year is 603 notices have been sent out for the first round of inspections. And if people don't comply, what what are the fines? This year the fines have actually increased. Last year the fine was $315 for non-compliance and this year it's gone up to $473 and that also includes a contractor fee as well. That can be anywhere between $210 or $550 on top of that. So it's an expensive process if you don't be compliant with the notice. The sort of things we do tend to look for in this area are pretty basic, like just the height of the grass. Um, If you've got any tree debris piles or anything like that on the ground, most of this area is pretty flat and pretty accessible, so you can clear most of the blocks, um, certainly in the towns. Um, There are a few areas like uh, Norman Drive near the golf course where... um, things get a little bit steeper and a bit harder to clear the blocks. As, as part of our inspections, we do actually look at that critical infrastructure that are outside the town. So, th- yeah, things like towers, um, water storages, um, telstra exchanges, th- things like that, just making sure that uh, they are as protected as they can be if a fire does come. There's, there's not the fuel around to uh, add, add to, to that, that mm. sort of things. When it comes to a fire that's in the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council, what's the advice that council gives to the community? During bushfire emergencies, council doesn't really have a role to play. That really goes over to emergency services, where our role is really in regards to that bushfire preparedness and also in the recovery phase. Okay, so well, let's talk Let's talk about the recovery phase. Yep, yep. So for a recovery, for example, there might be um, infrastructural assets that have been destroyed potentially, and council will probably get involved in that sort of processes. It could be bespoke depending on what sort of bushfire emergency actually is. It could be a major bushfire event or a small bushfire event. We've actually had a lot of bushfire events over recent times and council's probably been more involved in regards to clearing roads, you know, getting all those sorts of infrastructure back on track as quickly as possible. Recovery isn't just like a couple of days after it goes on, can go on for years 
potentially. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, infrastructure is obviously one of those key roles that council can play in regards to that. So, Mick, you're also a CFS captain, newly appointed. With your CFS hat on, how well is the CFS equipped for this coming season? Our CFS area, we are Horrocks Group, which covers Clare, Seven Hill Penwortham, Watervale and also Mintero. Um, so we've got a large area. So we commence our burnover drills and training, yeah, making sure all of our vehicles are ready to go. Um, but yeah, we're ready to roll this year. We've also got aircraft at Hoylton, which are ready to respond uh, straight away this year. They're already there and active. Yeah, hopefully it is a, a season that I'm not thinking it's going to be, but I believe it's going to be a very busy season, unfortunately. We've had a few bushfires over the years. Let's reflect back on that Emu Flat bushfire on a day that wasn't a typical catastrophic bushfire day. Do you remember that day, Mick? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was one of my first major bushfires as a CFS volunteer. I remember the day well. I was at work um, and we had a page for a grass fire, approximately 15 square metres in size. So we responded to that. It wasn't a bad day. Uh, I can't remember the exact fire danger index of the day, but it was quite low. It wasn't even moderate. It was a low fire danger index day. And yeah, by the time we got out there, the fire had crossed the road and started climbing the hill to the west. From there, that's when it just escalated into a large event and was yeah, a bushfire emergency. And yeah, I just don't think you can be prepared enough as a property owner. Yeah, you just can't do enough. There's so much you can do for preparedness. And yeah, there's just out that way, especially driveways and things like that. It was very hard to fit fire trucks in some properties. And after Emu Flat, it's uh, actually good to drive through the area now. And people have got wide driveways and their fuel loads have reduced. They've got fire breaks on their properties. Um, and unfortunately, it just sometimes takes an event like that for people to see how bad it can get mm. and what they need to do to protect their properties. Well, Mick, Boyd and Andrew, thank you very much for, for joining me on the podcast. Good luck this coming summer and hopefully we're bushfire free. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. If you'd like more information on what landholder obligations are to prevent fires, head to the council website. Without a doubt, all of us have something lying around the house that's broken. Be it a toaster, a crockpot, a hole in a piece of clothing perhaps. And more than likely, that item will sit there and gather dust or you would throw it out. We live in such a wasteful society that many of us don't have the simple skills to fix things anymore. That's where the Repair Cafe comes in. The Clare Library Repair Cafe was launched this month in the Town Hall where you get to take in your damaged or broken items to be fixed by a group of willing volunteers and you stay and they teach you how to fix it. Heather Limburn is the Clare Library Manager and Coordinator of the Clare Repair Cafe. I took my favourite jumper in to be mended and caught up with Heather on their first day. Hello Heather. Annabelle, how are you? Good, good. How are things going this yeah, morning? Things are going really well. Um, we've got lots of things happening in um, the clerk's office at the town hall. Um, we've got bike um, repairs in the in the foyer area. We've got uh, Claire who is uh, doing some general repairs as well. So sewing, um, electronics and uh, just darning of jumpers and socks and all sorts of things. What made you decide to go and form this Claire Library Repair Cafe in the first place? 
Libraries have are co-locating or are actually integrating repair cafes in many places in the world and I'd seen the idea and there's a few libraries in Adelaide that have also done the repair cafe either as a regular thing or as a one-off and I thought what a great idea and so that's skill sharing as well which is what libraries do they you know they share skills and they they teach they learn you learn from things in books but even better to learn from people um, and those skills that perhaps are being lost in the community. Some people don't know how to darn a sock anymore, but uh, this is a place that you can learn it. So sharing skills. And how have you secured these volunteers to come and be your repair, repair people? Uh, well, we're working with um, the Climate Connect group who have a, a big interest in um, not throwing things away in the circular economy. economy. So um, many of the volunteers have uh, come from uh, word of mouth through that group. We've just gathered people and um, more volunteers are actually welcome. If you've got a skill to share, um, contact me at the library and um, we'll try and integrate you into the space. So, I've brought my favourite jumper with me today and it's got a hole right in the front and I would love to get it repaired. So who is the go-to lady inside? Uh, Mary is definitely your go-to. She um, She's a, a fabulous knitter and got some fabulous skills that she could share with you. So Mary is your, your lady. <laughs> I'm in the room where it's a hive of activity, the sewing machine's going, and Mary, can you help me? Hello. Uh, yes, I can help you with that. We should be able to fix that where it's hardly noticeable. It's brilliant. Yeah. How have you found this morning in being a part of this cafe? It's been great. I was a bit concerned whether people would come in, um, but yes, I've, had, I've repaired three things so far this morning. And what have they been? That has been a jumper and socks. <laughs> so what's your story, Mary? Why are you involved in this? Well, I've been a dressmaker and a knitter for a very long time and, of course, everybody now knows me for that reason. I was asked from the library, would I be interested in helping anybody that needed to do repairs or wanted to learn how to knit or, or to, to do things? And I said, yes, I would. I'd be quite happy to do that. Hello, how can I help you with this? What do you want done here? I've got some pants that I'd need hemmed up, please. They're actually quite long, so they might need cutting and then hemming. What's really hilarious is the way that they've been taken up by, with gaffer tape. So obviously, like, they need to come about six inches shorter. The pants belong to my sons and they're not sewers, so they've gaffer taped them up to where they'd like them to be. Uh, Michelle, what did you think when you heard about the Repair Cafe? We, was your first instinct was, oh, thank goodness I can take these cricket pants to these people? Yes, it was, and also just the idea of it is fantastic to repair things rather than throw them out. I've actually got a toaster somewhere at home that I might bring down next time. I'm here with Susan Cunningham, who is the chair of Climate Connect Mid-North and who is affiliated with the Clare Library Repair Cafe. Susan, congratulations. It's been, well, it looks like it's been a successful morning. 
Yes, thank you very much, Annabelle. And we're really happy. The Repair Cafe concept is, I mean, it's a fantastic concept, but the name maybe is a little bit confusing. I think with the cafe bit thrown in there, the reason why the people who came up with the idea in the Netherlands, they wanted it to be not just repairing items, but also building community. So that's why they threw in the cafe side of it. But we've got a wonderful market here today, so we don't need to be supplying food and coffee. But, I mean, building community is fantastic. I think to just raise awareness in terms of being a bit more sustainable and reducing waste and as a society we've moved to this real throwaway society which manufacturers love because it means we just chuck it and go and buy a new one. When we've got people here like Quentin who can fix small appliances so we've probably all got something at home that's not working. Broken toaster. Broken toaster, broken jug, broken DVD player, broken printer. He's been looking at printers today. I've got a broken printer at home. Yeah, so it's just about trying to change people's thinking about how they use what they have in their house and we can all give our items a longer life rather than chuck it and get a new one. Speaking of items, what have you brought today? I brought a few things in today and I was very excited about um, fixing some holes in my jumpers and who knows how they appeared but they're there and I'm really annoyed by them and I haven't been able to wash them I'm so excited to see the holes have been repaired. Mary has taught me how to do it so I can do it at home. That's the other concept of the Repair Cafe is actually giving people the skills to be able to do these um, tasks in the future themselves. Mary you have worked wonders on my favourite jumper. Thank you so much and I did try and attempt to follow your lead and sew a little bit but I was an absolute failure in that respect but I'll keep practicing <laughs> that's good yeah keep it up practice makes perfect <laughs> I'm just thinking what else I can bring next month I'm really excited about this <laughs> so long as it isn't half a dozen things <laughs> that'll keep you busy it's like oh no she's back again <laughs> it's Mary Clark a volunteer at the Clare Library Repair Cafe It's a monthly event. The next one will be at the Town Hall on December the 4th at 4.30 to 7pm, running alongside the Village Twilight Market in Clare's Main Street. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share with your network of friends and family. Also, if you've got a spare five minutes, a rating and a review goes a long way. This podcast is a new council initiative and we'd love as many people as possible to listen. And we welcome your feedback. Don't hesitate to contact council with any ideas you'd like us to cover or people in our community that should be recognised. You can access the general comments form on the council website. This podcast is brought to you by the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council. I'm your host, Annabelle Homer. Catch you next time.